Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hi, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom. A reminder that what you do every day is life-changing and that it matters more deeply than you could ever comprehend. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are unique and amazing, and He has called you and He will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly, and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Okay, so today we're talking with Sarah McKenzie. She's a mom of six and the founder of the Read Aloud Revival community and top-ranked podcast. Sarah's going to share how her family got hooked on reading aloud, and she's going to share some really great books to add to our summer reading lists. But, you know, summer can bring lots of challenges, not just what to do and how to fill our time, but, y'all, everyone's home more. So that means that we need to cook more. And this is where PrepDish is totally saving the day for me. So PrepDish is a meal planning service that sends a meal plan and a shopping list straight to my inbox. And here's the cool thing. They go a step further. They organize all the meal prep into like an hour or two of work every every weekend or whenever I want to do it during the week so that the rest of the week, all I need to do, or honestly, all anyone in my family needs to do, meaning I'm not the one who needs to cook every night is to grab what I already prepped for that meal and throw it in the oven. So that means that I can put a yummy, healthy meal on the table quickly and easily pretty much any night of the week. Y'all, it feels a little bit like having a superpower. (laughs) So that sounds good. I wanted to let you know that they're giving a free special two-week trial to Inspired to Action listeners. And you can just go to inspiredtoaction.com forward slash prep dish. So that basically means that I just meal planned your next two weeks for you. You're welcome. Again, that's inspiredaction.com forward slash prep dish. All right, let's talk about summer reading with Sarah McKenzie. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so you and I have known each other for a good little while, but for the people listening who may not know a lot about you, can you give them the Sarah McKenzie 101? Sarah McKenzie 101. My husband and I have been married for 16 years and we live in the Pacific Northwest with our six kids from 15 down to our three and a half year old twins. And I run the Read Aloud Revival, which is a podcast and online community that's dedicated to helping parents make meaningful and lasting connections with their kids through books. So that's sort of a mini version. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how did you get started? Because a website about reading aloud seems super specific. So was that just something you were really passionate about or was it something you kind of tested the waters of and then it, you evolved into? Well, it's kind of funny. I've always loved children's books, but uh, several years back, I heard this really inspiring talk by Andrew Pudua. He's the president of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, and he's this really dynamic, engaged speaker. So the kind of guy that you listen to him and you think, oh my goodness, I'm going to change my life. And he had said in his talk, the two most important things that you can do to help your child become a good communicator, a good speaker, a good writer is to have them memorize lots of poetry and then read aloud to them a ton. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. And 
And we had been reading, you know, bedtime stories and picture books and that kind of thing. Uh, but I really ramped up the reading a lot at that point. And I was sort of just floored at what happened. All the things he had said about their improved writing and their improved vocabulary. So you have this little kid that says, you know, words like persnickety and curmudgeon <laughs> and funny things like that. But also I was just sort of floored at how... We seem to have this sort of inside language or inside secret in our family, like a new vocabulary. We would make inside jokes, kind of like you do when you go see a movie. Mm -hmm. But now we had it with all these stories and the kids would be acting stories out. And it was just bonding us in this kind of way I didn't expect it to. And so I started talking about it on my blog. And um, over time, really, the the blog and the the website just sort of morphed into like, this is what I always wanted to talk about. And the more I heard from other families talk about how reading aloud together had sort of transformed their family life, the more I thought, okay, this is it. I want to go all in on this. So that's where we landed. And that's, that's what I do now. So I'm <laughs> so. really, I'm really curious about the timeline of that. So you, you know, I don't need exact dates or time codes or anything, but so you, you hear Andrew <laughs> Padua speak and then you said that you kind of ramped up. Was that something that you, and then you started to see changes. Was that something that happened in the course of, you know, a few months, a few years? What did that look like? Well, I think right away I started to see some changes, like the kids would start acting out the books that we had been reading together, or they would bring up, you know, we would be talking about our day at the dinner table and they would bring up how that was kind of like something that we had read about together in a book or something. Uh, but over years is when I really thought, oh, this is a really wise investment. I don't, I don't know if you feel like this, but with parenting, a lot of the times I feel like you put so much into it, you know, in motherhood, you put so much of yourself into it and you kind of wonder what's going to pay off. What are they going to remember? Right. What's going to make a difference? And so I think over years I realized, oh, this thing that's actually pretty simple and pretty delightful is making this huge impact. So um, it kind of reminds me of in the Read Aloud Handbook, Jim Trilly says um, that if parents could have all of the, just the academic benefits of reading aloud. If they could have that like, uh, placed into a, a little magic pill <laughs> and to give to their kids, they would pay like enormous amounts of money for it. But we, you know, it's really as close as our closest bookshelf and pulling a kid onto our lap or next to us on a couch. And it just kind of floored me. And so that's, yeah, it's been big for, for our family. So I, I love how you said you ramped up. What is that what does that look like? Because somebody listening right now could be, okay, okay, yeah, I need to do this. This sounds fantastic. What did you do to ramp up? Uh, really, I just started reading aloud a ton more, even to my kids, especially to my kids, in fact, that could read to themselves. So this is really interesting. There's some statistics that I don't know the numbers of to be able to rattle them off. <laughs> but where most people stop reading to their kids about the time they can read to themselves. And I think we all have this sort of underlying thought that we te we read to our kids and to help them learn how to read to themselves so that they can read to themselves. Right. There's, yeah, there's this huge benefit to reading to kids uh, even after they're able to read to themselves, reading all together as a family. And I mean, I like to be read to. I love audiobooks. I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to people talk to me as mm -hmm. well. Um, and so I just started to read things that they could read to themselves. We would read during lunchtime. We would read, uh, we homeschool, so we would read a lot of the school books they could, were perfectly capable of reading on their own. I started reading some of them aloud. Um, and what happens is, this is what Andrew Putua said in that talk that kind of floored me. They, when they get all these sophisticated and grammatically correct language patterns in through their ear, 
it's, you're basically like furnishing their mind or giving them a storehouse of proper language patterns. He says, you can't get out of a brain what you didn't put into it. Mm-hmm. And so we expect our kids to be able to write and speak eloquently when what they're hearing is, you know, TV sitcoms and their friends down at the bus stop. And even the way we talk to each other is right. pretty Or texting emojis, right? Yes, exactly. Which is really fun, by the way. But <laughs> It's not that grammatically correct, sophisticated language that you get from a book. So hearing it through their ears is really important. And so um, we just started reading aloud more often during the day. And I would try to default to it instead of um, other things that we might do during the day. Or if like we were in the car and we're going to be driving to basketball practice, I would just turn on an audiobook. So we were listening to books, just kind of making it fill in the normal, ordinary parts of our day a little more than it had been before. So is there the same impact from an audiobook as from, I mean, obviously you don't get the cuddle time and that sort of thing, but intellectually, is it the same impact from an audiobook versus a parent reading? It is. And here's the thing. So there is something sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, warm and fuzzy Mm -hmm. (laughs) about mom's voice or dad's voice. Although my kids probably think they hear quite enough of my voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's warm and fuzzy. Um, but I think there's two really big benefits to reading aloud. One is that one is the grammatically correct, sophisticated language patterns, which come through an audiobook just as much as they could come through you reading it. And the second is the conversations and the connection that you get with your kids when you've shared the experience of the book together. Right. So when you're listening to an audiobook in the car, you're still getting it. When we're all folding laundry and listening to an audiobook, we still get all that connection. We still can have those conversations. Uh, so I think. Yes, there's something kind of, you know, um, nostalgic about the idea of us reading to our kids. Uh, And I think we want to have a place for that, too. But certainly there is a lot to benefit from audiobooks. We use audiobooks pretty heavily in our house. Okay, that's encouraging because I know there's probably a lot of moms out there who feel like they just can't do one more thing. But if audiobooks are an option, because I also suffer from literary narcolepsy. Um, auditory, no, audible. I'm totally making this up as as I go. As I read aloud to my kids, it sort of puts me to sleep if I'm not in the right, uh, at the right energy level. So knowing (laughs) that. Tell me like, don't sit on that couch, mom. You'll (laughs) fall asleep. You have to sit on the hard rocking chair. (laughs) I remember I was once reading, it was even just a picture book. It was not long. And it was a Bible picture book to my son. And it was something where it's some page about Jesus you know, raising from the dead. And I said something along the lines of Jesus designing a website because I was totally and completely (laughs) nodding off. And so then I'm like spouting blasphemy to my child. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, recorded pot, recorded audiobooks might be a safer option for me. Absolutely. In some circumstances. Well, there's a lot of places you can use them. So especially in the summer, you're going on road trips. Um, or if you're ready, you know, airplanes, the kids can listen to audiobooks. Um, we listen to them while we do laundry and housework. Uh, it can't be like really loud housework. But you can like – all the kids can even be listening to the same audiobook but separately if they have it loaded onto their devices. Or they can be listening to different audiobooks on their rest times if you just – especially in the summer. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not used to having your kids around all day and they're home all of a sudden, it's really good to have like an hour in the middle of the day where you say, go to your room. You can listen to any of those audiobooks I put in there for you while you play Legos or draw or whatever you want. But like, I need a little space. Uh, and they can get in a lot more reading aloud that way. And so we've had some really good discussions in our family um, over books that the kids have been listening to on audio that I haven't even read yet. Um, 
you know, where I can ask them, you know, who was the most cowardly in that story? And I know I'm not asking to find out if they were paying attention because I didn't read the book. So I don't actually know. I'm just curious to have that conversation with them. And so um, they can get a lot more of that, those correct, grammatically correct, sophisticated language patterns in through their ear, uh, even when you're not the one having to do the work. That's so good. I think I've also noticed that when we do use audiobooks, it's also an opportunity for my kids to, I guess, practice different hobbies that maybe they don't normally have time for or they might not normally explore. So maybe my kids aren't super into art, but you kind of want to do something when you're listening to an audiobook unless you're in the car. And, And so we'll just put a bunch of art stuff out on the table. And so they'll just spend more time doing that sort of thing or being more creative using Legos or or painting or knitting or whatever. It's just a good opportunity for them to, you know, find other ways to occupy themselves other than technology or whatever might be simple or easy. And you kind of get the the double whammy, I guess. They're listening to an audiobook and they're building, you know, some other new hobby, whether it's art or knitting or whatever. Yeah. And if they're doing something with their hands, a lot of times they'll sit and listen for a lot longer than they would right. otherwise. Right. I have a post I can send you a link to actually where I I sort of share my my trick for doing this as quickly as possible. Because I don't know about you, but I don't usually feel like, oh, I have this whole empty hour. Whatever shall we do with it? <laughs> we shall read aloud. Um, but a lot of times I'll think, okay, we could read aloud for 15 minutes right now or 20 minutes right now before we have to move on to the next thing. But if I tell everybody, go get your stuff that you want to work on while I read. It'll take them like 15 minutes to right. get to the table. So uh, I basically, it, the, it's basically that you can get yourself some magazine holders. Um, you know, like the the little ones you put on a bookshelf. Oh, yeah. And um, I have them for all kinds of different things, you know, different categories. But one, for example, will have a bunch of how to draw books and some color pencils and some paper in it. And then I can just grab that one magazine holder, put it on the table and say, oh, everybody great. come sit down. It's like a little There's, ready to go kit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we have some more ideas in a post. I'll send you a link to. Oh, but those, fantastic. it's like if you spend, you know, 20 minutes ahead of time putting some of those together, you can get a lot of good read aloud time happening in the nooks and crannies of your day without having to have a big old stretch of time right. set aside. Okay. So this is a big question, especially from, you know, with my kids being older and for those listening who have, who have older kids who can read themselves. What do you do when your kids are really frustrated because you know, your read aloud time might be over, but they want to keep reading the book, but there's only one copy of the book and they (laughs) all want to keep reading it. But maybe we all have to go our separate ways. You know, whenever we've done reading aloud, a lot of times we'll we'll just, you know, safeguard that book. And that's the family read aloud book. But I know that's not always (laughs) probably the best option. How do you handle kids who want to keep going with that book? But as a family, you're not ready to do that. Yeah, I've heard lots of different families handle this in different ways. I'll tell you how we do it at our house. Because, you know, listening to a story read aloud takes a lot longer than reading it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Just like an audiobook, you know, might be 14 hours when it would take you half as long to read the book on your own silently to yourself. So uh, for kids who are just really anxious to find out what happens, I hate to say it kind of depends on the book. But for the most part, I will let them read ahead on their own separately. They're just not allowed to tell anybody else what happens. So I'll let my son, who's dying to know how the book ends, read it to himself. But he's still required to come to the read aloud time when we read it all together, which is usually not a problem. Because if they're that eager to read it, they usually love hearing it again. Uh, We've read lots of books aloud that one or two of the kids have already read on their own. And they love listening to it again, revisiting it. 
they'll take ter- I mean, it kind of depends. My kids are sort of voracious readers, so they'll read it kind of quickly and then they'll take turns over or, or flip a coin on who gets to finish it first. Okay. <laughs> but they're not allowed to tell anybody else what happens. Um, they have to, they still have to be like a good participant in the read aloud time and they still have to show up to hear the rest of it read aloud. And I'll make sure they know that ahead of time. You can read this. You can finish it. I don't want to, you know, hold back their enthusiasm for the story, mm-hmm. but you have to show up when we read aloud, even if you know what happens. Because the point of reading together. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because the point of the read aloud isn't just to find out what happens. There's a lot of other things that are good things that are happening there. So, Okay. So what are some of your favorite stories to read aloud for, you know, a variety of age levels? Let's start off with those with little kids. If if, uh, mom's listening, she's like, okay, my kid sits still for a total of seven nanoseconds. (laughs) What's a good book to start with? Well, for the really littlest kids, picture books are definitely the way to go. My very favorites out of all the picture books, if I could only pick a few, I would choose the Paul Galdon fairy tales and fables. They're just all the ones you remember from your childhood. The little, the three little pigs, the three little kittens, um, Goldilocks and the three bears, red, Little Red Riding Hood. But they've got beautiful illustrations, just the right amount of text on each page. And there's a whole slew of them. Your library, I almost guarantee, has them. Um, those are the instant small people calmers in our house. <laughs> so when there's someone having a meltdown, they're the books that I grab. I don't even try to fix it sometimes. You know, when they're when you already know that your three or four-year-old's too far gone? Yes. You can't reason with them. So I just grab the book. I don't say, do you want me to read you a story? Because they'll say no. Like, no. <laughs> so I just grab the book and I just start reading it. And usually they can't, I can't even hear myself over all the cacophony <laughs> noise. But then they... um they'll catch on. They'll kind of come over and sit down. It's, it's hilarious. My husband just laughs because he knows I get so much pleasure out of like, ha ha, I gotcha. You know? <laughs> Those ones are fantastic. Um, we actually have, and I'll make sure you have a link to, to the book list. Cause we have a free book list that's sort of separated by ages and different kinds of books for different stages of kids. But other favorites are, uh, anything by Robert McCloskey, like make way for ducklings and one morning in Maine. Those books are a little longer. So if your kids are on the older side of like four, five, six, and you're looking for picture books that are not super quick, short, but they're not quite chapter books, mm-hmm. Robert McCloskey is a good way to go to kind of move up that ladder. Uh, and then anything by Jan Brett and Tommy DePaula. I mean, anything by Jan yes. Brett. My kids love Jan Brett. Oh yeah, I know. Aren't her illustrations just divine? Yes. The 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 um I'm forgetting the name of it. The one with the the bear, the all the animals, the, the mitten. That that was it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they love that one. She does so much research. Uh, she, you know, if she's writing a book that's set in Africa, she goes to Africa. She's writing a book that's set in the Netherlands, she goes to the Netherlands. It's just really wow. beautiful. Yeah, they're really uh, pretty accurate pictured illustrations of the settings that she's placed her books in. It's yeah, pretty amazing. Tommy DePaola is the same way. Uh, anything by him is absolutely fantastic. And then if you're we're just kind of moving up the ladder, I think um, when you're just starting to read chapter books with your kids, you don't want to start with something really long. Uh, you, I mean, you can. I tried. <laughs> it didn't work so well. The problem is that then your first experience reading a really longer, you know, a longer chapter book or having your kids listen to a story that doesn't have as many pictures can be kind of frustrating. Yeah. And this, these are some of the best books that there are that exist for kids or in this this stage. So anything by Michael Bond, uh, A Bear Called Paddington, and all the Paddington Bear series, they're 
really fun to read. A lot of kids will be familiar with the movies, but the books are different. They're wonderful. Uh, the movie's good too, but just the books are particularly wonderful. <laughs> uh, I love anything by E.B. White. So Charlotte's Web, Trumpet of the Swan, Stuart Little. Those are all going to be wins pretty much with about any, I don't think I've ever read a trumpet of the, the trumpet of the swan with a child and had them not completely be, you know, rolling with laughter and engaged the whole time. They're really, really good. And then the Beverly Cleary books, like the mouse and the motorcycle, um, of course, Beverly Cleary wrote all the Ramona books. Those ones are a little harder to read aloud, I think. But The Mouse and the Motorcycle is really easy to read aloud. It's short. It has short chapters. Short chapters is important because, yeah, yeah you got to keep their, them engaged. And then the one that I almost always recommend people start with for their very first chapter book is My Father's Dragon. Have you ever read that? I haven't. Okay. It's by Ruth Styles Gannett. It's an old, old book, but it's still in print and it's just about this little boy who has to, he sets out on a mission to go. Um, no, I'm sorry. This little boy, he's telling the story of his father who went on a mission to save this baby dragon that um, was being used basically to cart animals across the um, river of, so they didn't have to go across the crocodiles. Anyway, like almost like an airplane he was being used. <sighs> anyway, so he has to go free the dragon. And um, it is super short. Chapters are super short, but there's lots of pictures and it's like the perfect stepping stone into chapter books, I think. I can't believe I've not heard of that book. That sounds yeah. great. My son would love there's it. Actually, yeah, there's actually three. That you can get like the three tales of My Father's Dragon, but My Father's Dragon is just the name of the very first one. Okay, so if we move up to, what are we at, like older I'd elementary? Say, yeah, and so the next couple of books that I'll suggest you could really read with anybody. So these are books that I would say even if you have middle schoolers, they'll still be interested in listening. In fact, a lot of high schoolers would be still interested in listening. But your youngest kids very likely will get a lot out of it and enjoy. So The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, totally different than the movie. So completely good and not nearly as scary as the movie is. So if you have kids who are really freaked out of The Wicked Witch of the West, she plays a very minor role in the the book. Um, and then Half Magic by Edward Eager. And I can mm-hmm. send you links to all these two so people aren't like scratching. So I, yeah, I can stop frantically writing right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see, what else would be? Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Roald Dahl's books are really funny. Some of them are a little uh, edgy. And so, but the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is kind of a safe favorite for lots of different ages. Um, and then I really loved From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Yes. Are you I remember yeah, that I, book. I liked that yeah. one. I did too. And I think younger kids may get a little bit lost in that one, but I've read it with all different kinds of ages. Here's the great thing about reading a book with a variety of ages. Everybody kind of takes what they're fit for. You know, like the older kids who've heard it before, they'll catch things they didn't catch the first time, or they'll have like that sort of nostalgic, I remember when we read this the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or they'll make connections that they didn't make the first time. And then the really young kids may not follow the storyline, but really enjoy the cadence of the language and the funny parts. I know we read this wonderful book called The Rise and Fall of Mount Majestic last summer, I think it was. And I was reading it to my older kids, but my uh, daughter, who my youngest daughter, who was then four, always wanted to be in their room while we read it. And she would laugh whenever anybody else laughed. <laughs> Gasp whenever anyone else gasped. Look, there's no way she could possibly be following this storyline, but she still loved being in the room. So... Sort of like setting out a feast and you, yeah. you're not spoon feeding it. You're just saying like, take what you're hungry for, you know. That's so good. 
So what are some um, books for like, let's say uh, tween slash high school age? Okay. So this, now we're going to get into a section that I think is a little bit harder to pinpoint because once kids are sort of in that tween to high school phase, they have specific opinions about books that they, mm-hmm. that they like. So kids who like fantasy usually love fantasy and kids who don't usually really prefer something else. But I'll give you a few across the spectrum that I can think of um, off the top of my head here. The, the Wing Feather Saga by Andrew Peterson. Love that. Oh, have you guys read those? Yes. Oh, love it. It's so, so funny. I mean, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yeah, funny it. and really impactful, right? Yes. So surprisingly so. The first one's called The On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness. And it uh, we read that one aloud. We read the second one aloud. My other kids have read the whole series multiple times over. They just absolutely love them. Of course, um, The Chronicles of Narnia. I would say, I mean, actually, Andrew Peterson says that his book was heavily inspired by Narnia. And you can see that mm-hmm. in the story. But The mm-hmm. Chronicles of Narnia, you can read with a tween or high school or no problem. And with younger kids as well. Um, one of the series I found recently that I just love is called the Wilder King trilogy. Have you heard of this? Oh, you know, no, I have not read it, but my daughter has read it and she really liked it. Oh, I think it might go up in my like all time favorite novels. I mean, they're so good. This starts with the bark of the bog owl yes. and I, they're really read, written for kids that are I'm trying to remember the age recommendation, maybe 10 to 14 or so. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm an adult and I would, <laughs> I, I was not reading them for the sake of reading them for my kids <laughs> because they were so good. So those are really, really good picks. Um, and then of course, if you've got high schoolers, you kind of can't go wrong with Tolkien, you know, as far mm-hmm. as the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. I have a super hard time reading those out loud. They're long, <laughs> right? And they require lots of voices. So I like the audiobooks that are read by Rob Inglis for those. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of those books, I think there's so many, there's so many great audiobooks out there. I know that my family we go on a big vacation every summer, and so what we do is we get tons of audiobooks. We don't have like a, a TV in our car. What's the word? A multimedia or you know, whatever DVD yeah, player, yeah. <laughs> whatever I can think of <laughs> in our car. And so we just listen. My, my husband will get a bunch of books from the library, and nobody can touch the books until we are in the car on the road. And so there's just like this salivating that happens looking at the books that all the kids want to read. And so then they're excited to get in the car, and then they can read whatever they want. And then we get a bunch of audiobooks. We've done um, Little House in the Prairie, read by. Cherry Jones. Oh, aren't which, those so good? I think when it when it came in the mail, we, we did the CDs. When it came in the white mail, I think my husband was more excited than my kids. That's how that's much so that's how good they are. And <laughs> they how really much are. We enjoyed them. They were so those are good. on Audible now. They just went mm-hmm. to Audible this last year. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And then we love all of the Chronicles of Narnia that are on mm-hmm. Audible. I mean, they're read by fantastic fantastic people uh and and yeah just so good and and then we've also done the story of the world oh yeah by uh read by jim weiss right yes yes which you know is going to give you audio listening for i think years it feels like there's there's so many (laughs) of them so i I love all those options and and all those are great too for really any age obviously um so okay so the mom listening who maybe isn't a big reader herself she wants to, you know, read aloud and get her, her kids involved. Maybe her kids are a little bit older and it feels a little bit awkward to start. What suggestions do you have for her? 
Yeah. My first suggestion is to put an audiobook on in the car and don't tell your kids it's for them. Tell them it's for you. So turn on something like the Chronicles of Narnia and just say that you wanted to listen to this book. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, you're just going to play it in the car. If they wouldn't mind, you know, you're just going to put it in the car. And the thing about a really good story, C.S. Lewis has this awesome quote about how a story, a really good, oh, I'm going to botch it now. We say it all the time <laughs> on our podcast, but a good children's story that is only, or a children's story that's only enjoyed by children is not a good children's story in the slightest. Mm-hmm. I just, that's not exa- exactly the quote, but it's something like that. And, um, I think if your kids feel like you're reading to them to improve them, then they feel like projects and no one wants to be a project, right? So especially with older kids, um, reading a story to your, or listening to an audiobook for yourself, they're going to get caught up in the story if it's a really good one, like Narnia or Wingfeather or something like that. Uh, And it won't feel like this is something we're not going to do because I have a mission as your mother to improve you, which of course is our mission, but we don't need to let them know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other solution I would have is letting them pick something for you to read with them. Even if it's not like amazing classic literature, even if it's not something that you would normally want to read or uh, I, I think there's just something really valuable to our kids realizing that we enjoy being with them. Like we just enjoy being in their presence and hanging out with them. And we're interested in the things they're interested in. And sometimes I get so caught up in the actual mothering tasks, extracurricular activities, make sure you do your chores and take a shower and floss your teeth that I've, I forget to show my kids that I just enjoy hanging out with them and that I'm actually interested in knowing what they're interested in. So saying what book you can pick any book that I'll read with you. What would you pick that to be? Which would be then, so insightful too. Yeah, it really would. It really would. So have you seen reading aloud impact kids who might be slow readers or reluctant readers? Have you seen it It help them in any way? Yeah. Okay. So this is pretty exciting because two, two different things I want to point out is one is that the... Um, the 1985 Commission on Reading, this is like a super old study that showed that reading aloud is the number one, uh, makes the number one difference in a kid's reading ability all through the school years. But I've talked to a few different college professors on the Read Aloud Revival podcast, and they always tell me the same thing. They always say that they can tell the students who come into college who were read to throughout their whole childhood. It's instantly recognizable in the way that they speak and have a conversation and the way that they write their papers and discourse. So we see that there's this um, major academic gain that's happened when a child is read to. Uh, But the other thing is that in January at the Read Aloud Revival, we do this thing called a 31-day Read Aloud Challenge. This is actually a challenge for the kids to read aloud. So not like another thing for us to have to do as parents, but kids, you can read aloud to your goldfish or your stuffed animals or your sibling, (laughs) right? And we have heard so many awesome stories of uh, from parents saying, my kid wasn't a big reader or he didn't feel very confident or he was like, in that slow decoding, sounding out painful stage yes. of learning to read. And then just reading aloud for uh, 10 to 15 minutes a day for a month makes this huge difference. So I think there's something about the auditory quality of language, like whether or not you're reading it aloud or someone's reading it aloud to you. It's that whole language through the ear thing that makes Mm -hmm. the big difference. I love the idea of making that challenge, you know, read it to whoever. I know that I think at our library, they have a program where you can read to 
a dog. A dog? Yeah. yeah I, I started to say yeah. that and I thought that sounds so random. I think this is no, that's true. it. That's okay. true. Yeah. I can't remember what the program's officially called, but you know, dogs are the most forgiving audience. No kid oh is nervous about reading in front of a dog or fumbling over their language, right? So it's so good. It's brilliant. Okay. So now what do you say to the mom? She's a you know gonna hit summer. And maybe again, maybe she has older kids or or younger kids who are accustomed to technology. What advice would you give her to kind of have them let go of the technology? You know, maybe maybe she needs to set up different ground rules in her house or whatever, but it all feels a little overwhelming because she's having to remove the technology to engage the kid in reading. And and and, and do you see those two kind of being at odds or what what's your take on that? Okay, well, I talked to Dr. Daniel Willingham about this. He wrote a book called Raising Kids Who Read, and he told me that, you know, if he offered his kids watermelon for dessert, they would be pretty happy. They like watermelon, and it's sweet, and they like that. But if he told them you can have watermelon or candy, they would always choose the candy. And so he was talking about how if we want our kids to choose books, we have to take away the other options, the options for screens at certain times of day. So not like your kids can't have screens. My kids have screens every day. But that there are certain times a day that are guarded. It just, it's like that decision fatigue. I know as a, as an adult who wants to read, I want to read every night before bed. Uh, I see myself as a reader. I have like goals for how many books I want to mm-hmm. read each month. And still when I climb into bed, the, the tug to pick up my phone and just scroll social media or whatever I want to do on my phone is so strong. And so I think, oh my gosh, I am a 36-year-old woman who's having, <laughs> you know, well, how much more my 14-year-old child who is, he doesn't have that same desire to read a certain number of books or see herself as a reader necessarily, right? Right. So um, I think the best thing to do is not to ban screens altogether or to give our kids this idea that like, if you read a certain amount of books, then you earn screens because that's like, if you eat your Brussels sprouts, then you get chocolate cake and we all know which one's better, right? (laughs) But if by saying like this hour or this portion of the day is the screens are not an option. And so just making it easy, we take that decision fatigue off of our kids and give them the freedom then to choose to read. So even if it's like an hour in the middle of the day that you say from one to two or from four to five or whatever works for your family, depending on their ages and your own schedule, everybody's going to hang out in their room for some quiet time and you can listen to an audiobook or you can read or you can listen to music and draw. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to read, but taking away the temptation to use screens because it's not an option will increase the likelihood that our kids will pick up books just by nature of that option being removed, the easier brain option, right? Like right. it's much easier to look at a screen than it is to engage in a book. I really like that idea because it feels it feels peaceful to have that decision, like you said, having that decision made for them, kind of like having a nap time. No kid is going to choose, hey, I'm going to go take a nap, but they all need it and it's so good for them and they feel so much better after they nap. And so yeah. just by setting that t- that that time aside, I mean, honestly, you, you know, you were, you were even talking about it for yourself. It sounds nice to me to not have technology every now and then. I have uh, that circle device. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Thing that yes. connects to Wi-Fi. And so I have I set my own bedtime because I personally do not quite have the willpower to stop scrolling if I'm in the middle of scrolling at a certain time. And so it just kind of turns me off of the Internet at a certain time, because, you know, even as a grown woman, I need that help. And so how much more uh, do our kids need that, even though it's hard as moms, because we feel like the bad guy, we feel like the mean person, the mean mom, because apparently every other kid in the world is allowed to do whatever (laughs) except them. 
But when we do that, it's so peaceful for them. And um, I think it just allows for such a greater connection to the books that they're reading and to the, the things that they're doing. So I love that idea. Do you put it? Kind of, there's two ways you can do it, too, because you can say like this hour or these two hours, there's going to be no screens. Or you can say these are the only hours that there are going to be screens. I know plenty of families who say from one to three. You can play on your video games, mm-hmm. you can be on your phone, you can uh, get on social media, but then at three o'clock, those all go off. And either way, you're just keeping it in its place instead of letting it sort of run amok all over your day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I love that idea, particularly for the summer. I find that during the school year, it's it's kind of harder. It's, it's a little bit easier for me to say, okay, this is the time when phones aren't allowed because there's so little time that they actually can use phones because they're at school right. and right. homework and stuff. And but during the summer, we can say, hey, this is the time when phones are allowed. Uh, one thing that we've also done is that we have a little basket in our foyer. And sometimes, I'm not always awesome at it, but I say, okay, all the phones go in the basket. You can use it whenever you want to. You just have to stand at the basket. Um, oh, which that's is, brilliant. <laughs> which is helpful because my, like, especially my older kids, they're texting. So it's not so much that they want to be on their phone for an hour playing a video game it's that they want to text their friends so they want that constant connection and so i'm like you can communicate with your friends you just have to stand at the basket and communicate (laughs) with your friends so i love it lots of lots of different options but i think you know definitely something for us all to consider as we look forward to the summer and wanting to help them engage in reading uh, and and taking the time to read whether it's to listening to an audiobook or reading aloud but i think also you know making those memories of sitting together and reading aloud you know, we could all, you know, it could also be sitting together as a family and listening to the audiobook and all having hot chocolate or, you know, creating some sort of tradition around it, I think is a fun thing to do as well. Do you guys do anything? I mean, obviously, you probably read aloud all the time. Do you have any special Well, probably not as much do? as some people think, because really, one of the things I love to remind people is that if you read aloud 10 minutes a day, every day for a year, that's 60 hours of reading aloud. But most of us have a hard time getting to something every single day. I mean, I don't know, that just kind of makes me want to break out in hives just saying that, like, you have to do something every single day. So every other day, if we were to read aloud 10 minutes a day, we would read 30 hours over the course of a year, which you could read actually the entire Chronicles of Narnia out loud in that amount of time. Oh, that's fun. 300 picture books, just tons of, so, um, we don't actually read aloud a ton. We just try to get to it most days for at least 10 minutes. And then that kind of adds up over time in the summer. One of my favorite things to do is, uh, after the little kids, because we have six kids and they're sort of like older set and a younger set. So after the younger set goes to bed, uh, my husband will build a fire in the backyard and the kids will just sit around the fire and I'll read to them. Last year we read number the stars and, Mm. I can't remember what else, but it was one of our favorite. It was just such a nice way to wind down and enjoy the evening. Uh, and it's like a seasonal memory. You know, it's one of those things that you definitely remember is summer because in the Northwest, if you're around the fire at night, it's summer. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That's so funny because in Texas, if you're around the fire, it's like a one week period, maybe in February when it's actually cold <laughs> enough for the be a fire. And you definitely do not build a fire in the summer because it's already like 114 degrees. So it's hilarious. Right. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, what encouragement would you give to the mom who's like, OK, this sounds great. I want to start. What little kind of pep talk, you know, Andrew, Andrew Putawa gave you that inspiration for you to get going. What would you say to the mom listening right now who wants to start this in her family? Okay. I would say don't make some big grandiose plan. Don't like color code a chart and put it on your reader <laughs> refrigerator. Just pick up a book and read a lot. Like even when you're done listening to this podcast, grab whatever kid happens to be home uh-huh. and in arm's reach and say, hey, we're going to read this book really quick or this 10 pages of this chapter. Um, the other thing I would say is, 
to pick something you loved reading as a kid. Because I remember falling in love with Matilda by Roald Dahl when I was a kid. And I just have so much like fondness for that book because it turned me into a reader. And so reading that book feels as much of a treat for me as it does a good beneficial thing for my kids. So pick something that you really enjoy or that you've always wanted to read. Uh, just something that will be as fun for you. And then don't make it a big project, but just one of the things I do is I'll think, okay, I'm going to start making more meals from scratch. And so I make this really elaborate menu and a plan (laughs) or I'm going to start, you know, exercising more. So I make myself like a big calendar with a chart. But really, if I just went outside and walked for 15 minutes, now I'm exercising. Or if I just pulled my kid next to me and read 15 minutes, now I'm reading aloud and the guilt kind of subsides. But you also make progress like, oh, I'm doing it. It's not that hard. So just pull it, you know, just making it a goal to like right now today, I'm just going to read for 10 minutes. I'm going to read for 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole chapter. It doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to read like 15 books this summer. You could read one. You could read uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and your kids will very likely not forget that you made the time to do that. So good. I remember my grandmother reading the Chronicles of Narnia to us when we were little, and that is one of my fondest childhood memories. So, yes, great idea, great inspiration. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. It was fun to be here. Thanks, Kat. Hey, where can everybody find you online? You can find me at readaloudrevival.com. We actually have a book list that has lots of different categories. We have picture books for every month of the year, uh, best fantasy, best series books to turn your struggling reader into a voracious reader, best board books and middle grade novels, just lots of different categories. It's all free. If you go to readaloudrevival.com, you'll see a a place right at the top where you can pop your email in and we'll send you the book list right away. Perfect. And if for some reason you forget the link, the link's going to be in the show notes. We'll email you if you're on our email list. So be sure to go check that out because I can say for our family, reading has been amazing. And I highly encourage you to check out the resources that Sarah has spent so much time putting together. So thanks so much, Sarah. You're welcome. And I love seeing pictures of your kids on Instagram when they're (laughs) reading it like a football game or it just cracks me up. Your little readers are just like, oh yeah, I have a heart for those kids. Oh, I love it. Thanks, Sarah. Okay. First of all, isn't she adorable? I just think she's adorable. And second of all, I found that to be so inspiring. And I have seen for sure the fruit of reading with and to and listening to books with my kids. It has benefited them in so many ways, not just the shared stories that we have. We can, you know, all sit down and talk about, oh, remember when dad read um, Adam of the Road to us? Or do you remember the time when we read Hatchet together? Or, or, you know, just those those shared memories. But also I've seen it just in their education, in their understanding of language and how to communicate, even in, even in the ability of my teenager to appropriately text other people and to communicate emotion and meaning and, and intent in a text message, just fr- down to the smallest details, hearing language and hearing people communicate in the form of reading aloud or listening to a book or sharing a story together is so powerful and impactful for our kids. So I encourage you in whatever grace-filled way it works in your schedule. I encourage you to build that into your summer. I love her idea of just throwing something on in the car and letting it be something that's very easy. You you naturally want something on in the car anyway. Maybe instead of music, just make it a great book and a great story. So I just loved what Sarah had to share today, and I hope that you'll take action on that today. And don't forget about that free two-week trial offer of PrepDish. Just go to inspiredaction.com forward slash PrepDish. 
All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you could spend your time doing lots of different things. I appreciate that you spent it with us here at the Inspired Action Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you next time. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet, but I've set aside this time for you. Bow before the throne of a noble king And in this place my heart begins to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with his grace His grace and